0: Welcome to the Crossview Church message of the week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. I'm really, really excited about uh, about this morning, uh, and I've been prayerful about this week for us as we gather together. And uh, we had such a great Sunday last Sunday. Uh, I think that God really moved uh, here. Uh, last Sunday had a pretty powerful week last week. Several of you, I feel, uh, w- came to pray or prayed in your in your seats. I had conversations with so many people afterwards, just recognizing what God was doing in our midst. Uh, big, last Sunday, last Sunday, uh, we, we, uh, we talked about uh, being part of, and I'll say more here in just a moment, we talked about this idea of a, a spirit-filled movement that uh, our leaders have called us to from our our national denominational meeting that I was just so moved by and inspired by. We talked about that a little bit. So I pray that the Lord's Spirit has been working in your heart and mind this week and even as we gather together that God uh, will move powerfully amongst us uh, even this morning. Uh, I mentioned that uh, our, our, our leaders have sensed God's call on us as a larger faith family to a renewed, spirit-filled movement in our churches across the U.S. And it was a pretty powerful call, I think, from the Lord to our hearts. And I mentioned that I feel like God was leading us to participate in this. Uh, And I said that we believe that the Lord is bringing new life to his church and and calling us to a renewed connection with his spirit in a time where it's desperately needed for us and our communities. Amen? (laughs) So uh, we have this significant sense that Jesus is bringing fresh life new water, new fuel to his people and to his church for his purposes here and now. And my prayer is that we say as individuals and a church say yes to the Lord, we're part of that, we want in. He's done it before and he'll do it again. We talked a little bit about that last week. So after sharing uh, that we had a clear move of God's spirit last week here and, and as we surrendered our hearts to God, we are asking him even this morning, Uh, to lead us in what a spirit-filled movement can look like here in Snohomish. So we're asking for his direction, we're asking for his uh, his, discernment, and we're asking for his power as he leads us step-by-step, day-by-day in what he wants for us to do here in this neighborhood and in this community. So we gather together this morning with that as the backdrop of our experience over this last week, and I cannot wait to see what God is gonna do in our hearts and minds this morning. In fact, I'd like just to stop and pray again uh, right now, if you don't mind, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come together to focus our hearts and minds on you, uh, to learn from your scriptures. Holy Spirit, will you move in a powerful way this morning? Will you meet us right where it's needed? Will you speak to our hearts in a way, uh, uh, connecting with us spirit to spirit, Will you speak to us uh, clearly for our particular situations and for us as a church and what you have for us? Move powerfully. We surrender to you this morning, and in your name we pray. Amen. So uh, I'd like to take us this morning to Psalm 63. We are in a summer psalm series, so we're going to go to Psalm 63. So if you have a device or your Bible, uh, you can pull that out. It'll be on the screen as well. But I love this Psalm because it has so much to teach us and speak to us about connection with God's spirit on a couple of different levels. It speaks to us about connection with God's spirit, uh, whether we're walking through a good time or whether we're really struggling. So we're, we're gonna read the whole thing. It's not very long. So I'll read Psalm 63 for us together. And it goes like this. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and gate, and have gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast, and I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. And I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become the food of jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear to tell the truth will praise him while liars will be silenced. So now over the last several years, I think this is the third summer we've done something like a summer psalm series because the psalms are amazing. And it's good to focus on them at least a bit each year. We've talked about this, uh, how psalms work a bit in previous series. But I absolutely love the way that we always see in the psalms real human experience expressed one way or another. It helps us really connect and relate with what's happening in the psalms. So although the Psalms were written in response at times to specific specific historical events, they're written in a way that allow you and me or later readers uh, to use the Psalms in prayer or in worship in similar situations, but not necessarily identical situations. There's a bit of flexibility as long as we, we can relate with what's the human experience in these Psalms. That's wonderful, isn't it? It's so good. One commentator said that what's important about being able to use the psalms in this way is that the reader of the psalm can then identify with the psalmist's voice. In other words, the reader becomes the eye of the psalm. Since the psalms express every emotion known to human experience, there is a psalm for every season of life. (laughs) I love it. This psalm in particular is a very uh, important Psalm in Christian history it is a Psalm that was greatly valued in the early church it was used as a way to introduce Sunday worship to begin Sunday worship kind of like a call to worship that we sometimes do it was used in that way because of it's because it speaks of a deep thirst for God a thirst for God from the depth of our soul it speaks to the quenching of that thirst only through the presence of God In personal or corporate worship so what a great way to begin a a worship service right (laughs) To, to remember to remind us and help us recognize because sometimes we forget this if we're honest that we need to be people who desperately thirst and hunger for God and for God's Spirit and the only way that that hunger and thirst can be quenched is through the powerful Spirit of God in our midst amen That's what we're asking for even here and now as we meet. So even if we just pause right there, this is a powerful scripture. If we just think about that one idea, this is a powerful scripture. So let me ask you a couple of questions maybe to help us enter in a little bit, make this real for each of us. If you had to rate how much you long for God in the same way that this psalm talks about, how would you rate that? Low, medium, high, <laughs> where, where would you put that? And I know that there are different seasons of our life, right? Maybe where we are connected with, we feel very connected with God and have a deep sense of longing and others not so much. What about today, right now, where you are, what you're facing? If you had to put a number on it, about how much you long for God from the depth of your soul, what, would, what number would you choose? See when you join other believers meeting together for prayer and for worship and the folk and a focus on the scriptures what is our expectation of what God can and will do as we meet <laughs> Do you you come in expecting just to hear something great and then leave the same? Or do you expect that God can and will do something life-changing no matter how long you've been following God, that he can and will do that even this morning as we sit here? That's kind of scary, isn't it? (laughs) Sometimes it's like, oh, okay, God, I'm fine where I am. I don't want to be changed. (laughs) Maybe God has other plans. What is, it, what is it that you long for when you come to these times together on Sunday mornings or whenever you meet with other believers? What is your expectation of what God can and will do, and how much do you long for that? This psalm is on some level aspirational, right? In that it calls us to have that deep sense of longing for God more than anything else in our life. That's where the psalm kind of takes it to an extreme And it's wonderful and it's powerful and it's challenging. So on one level it's aspirational. But this psalm also speaks to us in another way. David, the author of this psalm, he's going through it a bit when he writes this. (laughs) This is what I really love about this. His situation matters uh, because it provides a context that can deepen our understanding of this psalm uh, and what God can do when we are in his presence. So it's a bit unclear when this psalm was written. It could have been written when David was fleeing from Saul early on in his journey. He's in the Judean wilderness. Or it could have been written when David was fleeing from his son, Absalom, much later in the story during Absalom's revolt. Both of these contexts provide a very dangerous circumstance that uh, could have inspired this psalm. So it's important to know that David's context and situation. So we're gonna reread this psalm, so we, we've heard it as this aspirational, challenging, and positive psalm, but now that we understand it was written when David was fleeing in a very dangerous situation in a Judean wilderness somewhere, let's reread this psalm and see how it speaks to us in another way. And I've highlighted a couple of things through here so that we can see uh, some of the the context uh, that, that uh, might we might miss on our first read through psalm 63 david writes this oh god you are my god and i earnestly seek for you i desperately need you hear the desperation because of the challenge of his situation i earnestly search for you my soul thirsts for you my whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water there's difficulty in his circumstance I've seen you in your sanctuary, I've gazed upon your power and glory, and I desperately need that right now. (laughs) Your unfailing love is better than life itself. And I want you to pay attention to that word, unfailing love, because we're gonna see it in a number of places that David writes. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting my hands up to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast maybe he wrote that line because he's starving he's hungry on the run in the wilderness and he's thinking about food but God you are what I really need I will praise you with songs of joy I lie awake thinking of you meditating on you through the night because you are my helper he's in need of help right now I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings I cling to you Your strong right hand upholds me securely. And we've talked about this before, that every time you see a comment about God's strong right hand in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, it is a reference back to the Exodus story. That's a shorthand way for the authors to to represent what God did, what the people needed. They were in slavery and desperately needed rescue and salvation, and God did it with his strong right hand. (laughs) So I'm, David's saying here, I cling to you. Your strong right hand upholds me. I remember what you've done before, and I need you to do that again here and now. Help me. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. Clearly, there are people plotting to destroy David. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become food for jackals. He has faith in the Lord's deliverance here. But the king will rejoice in God, and all who swear to tell the truth will praise him while liars will be silenced. Woo! Wow! Kind of a different, con. the context really helps us understand a, a significant depth here of what David's saying. This psalm is a, is a prayer for help. It's written as the prayer of a person who comes to place, uh, who comes uh, to, to this place of worship from, from a dangerous world where there are people who want to destroy him, tear him down, and want to see him dead. It's that dangerous world that the psalmist has experienced, that David has experienced in what seems, as he writes, like an absence of God. And he talks about it as a hunger or a thirst of his soul. He needs God. He likens this sense of longing for God like an absence of water in a dry place. Have you ever been really thirsty? <laughs> David is like a thirsty person in a land with no water, and he's in desperate need of God and God's uh, help in the midst of the crisis that he's in. So he also talks, uh, about, he, I, he also talks about longing for God in the middle of the night, he lie, we, he lie, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night in the shadow of your wings. You are with me, he recognizes that, but there's this Uh, this this aspect of nighttime, which can feel most vulnerable for people, uh, for a lot of us, especially back in the ancient world, both physically and emotionally, most vulnerable moment at night. He's lying awake, maybe afraid, in desperate need of God. Maybe we know, and maybe for David, it was in the quiet of the night that his fears come and overwhelm him, and yet he recognizes his deep need for God's presence, and that in God's presence, there's possible peace. I love how the psalm works on a couple of levels, both aspirational, calling us to this deep longing, and it calls us uh, to seek God and worship God with, with all our hearts and it reminds us to do that no matter whether life is good or we're facing significant crisis. Or maybe even when we lose our way and need to turn back to God, when we're not living in step with his way of life, we learn to turn back toward God and be desperate for him. This psalm is written in a time of crisis and struggle, hardship and suffering. So in a sense, it's a psalm of honest reflection and confession before God. God, I'm in a bad way here. And I need, I'm desperate for you. I don't know what I'm gonna do without you. I love how this works in a couple of different ways. So. It's really important to understand this because when we talk about being part of a spirit-filled movement of God to renew us and the church for His purposes, we need to be a people who are willing to do both of those things have a deep longing for God and for his presence in our midst, and be completely willing, be willing to be completely honest, confessing, and reflecting, and turning back to God when we're struggling, when we're suffering, or maybe when we've lost our way. Both are so important if we want to be part of a spirit-filled movement in this place. Confession and repentance and being honest with the state of things before God is a hallmark of God's renewing activity in the history of the church and the world. Almost every major revival that we see throughout the history of humanity, at least the church, has always included, either started with or included as part of it, a significant time of confession and repentance and longing for God so if we're going to step into that then that has to be part of who what we do too and asking god god be i'm going to be very honest with you here's how i'm doing (laughs) maybe i'm doing well maybe i'm really struggling i'm desperate for your help david in the psalm knows the blessing and benefit of confession and repentance before god being real honest about how things are going He's done it before. And I think that's why he's quick to come to God in this difficulty that he sees. Uh, and um, what we see here is a mix of both confession and praise as he writes the Psalm. And I love that because maybe that's where we, we ex- what we experience as well. He's confessing, David is confessing the real state of his soul and he's expecting God to do something about it. In fact, he uses the same language in Psalm 63 here that he does in one of his most famous Psalms of repentance, Psalm 51. So look at how we start Psalm 51, uh, which he writes after his affair with Bathsheba. It's a fairly well-known story. He writes this, "'Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love.'" Remember that from before? "'Because of your great compassion, "'blot out the stains of my sins, "'wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin.'" And a few verses later, he writes, "'Don't banish me from your presence, "'and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. "'I long for it. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you." See how it's deeply connected, this idea of honest confession before God and the longing for God's presence. And God will always answer that. Thank you, Jesus. In Psalm 63 again, verses one through three, just to kind of remind us, oh God, you are my God and I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this place, in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary, gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. And just to drive home the point, that David uses the same language of kind of confession and honesty and longing for God and, and this unfailing love. We see it in yet a really uh, uh, well-known another p- uh, psalm passage about repentance from David. Psalm 32. He writes, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of, of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. In verse five, he says, Finally, I confessed to my sin. I confessed all my sin, and you stopped trying to hide my my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Lots of smiley faces, right? You forgave me. (laughs) All my guilt is gone. And then verses 10 and 11. Many sorrows have come to the wicked, but, unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad all who obey him. Shout for joy all you whose hearts are pure. Incredible. So when we come to God honestly, when we're willing to confess and repent, when it's like opening the water faucet of God's spirit all the way open. And God's promise is to forgive us, to bless us with his his very powerful and active presence, Uh, not only for us, but for his church as well. Romans 6, 12 through 13, there's lots of scriptures about this. Do not let sin control the way that you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life in Jesus Christ. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God." Powerful stuff. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, I mentioned him last week and some of his, uh, uh, some of the quotes that are really powerful about how he hopes that the Methodists won't die out or won't be a dead sect without the power of God. You heard that quote, give me a hundred people, it doesn't matter if they're lay or preachers who are on fire for God, who fear nothing but sin, and and I'll change the world, (laughs) right? Jesus did it with 12. Um, He writes this in one of his sermons. You have good reason to believe that he, God, is the only one able and willing to do this, to save us from all of our uncleanliness. This is the thing which you now long for. This is the faith with Uh, which you now particularly need, namely the great physician, the lover of my soul, and uh, the the unfailing love, the lover of my soul, is willing to make me clean. But is he willing to do this tomorrow or today? Let him answer that for himself. He says, today you will hear my voice if you won't harden your hearts. Believe, therefore, that he is willing to save you today. He's willing to save you now. Behold, now is the accepted time. Only believe, and you will immediately find that all things are possible for him who believe. Powerful stuff from John Wesley. Again, just to continue to bring this psalm back into our, our mind, the forefront of our minds as we think about how it's an aspirational psalm teaching us to long for God, and that we need to be f- honest and, and reflective uh, in the, the difficulty, potential difficulty of our situation. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and have gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast and I'll praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings, and I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. So I, I hope and pray that the Lord is, is moving here this morning and speaking to us in a couple of different ways drawing us to himself by his powerful presence because we believe when we gather, he's here with us. We enter into his presence and he speaks to us very clearly. Uh, And so we believe that. And and we believe that he invites us into that presence, invites us to this this time of renewal and and honesty and confession, and at the same time invites us to his presence which which makes us long for him in worship and prayer he is our savior. So as we end our time in this psalm, we see David like the rest of us in need of unfailing love and God's grace-filled provision. The good thing is that God always gives that to us. Amen? (laughs) Over and over and over again. The invitation never stops. Thank you, Jesus. David acknowledges his deep longing for God and he confesses the real honesty of where he's at of his life. That things are not great in this moment. We've also seen through the scriptures, we know that our sin is overcome by the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross, and that our daily need is met by God's grace and his powerful presence. Knowing this, then we can join in with David, exclaiming how great God's love is, that it's better than life, and it's more, it satisfies us more than anything else in this world. The question we have to ask is: Is that true of me? Is that true of my faith? Or do I need a new, a reconnection here, a recalibration? Worship team, would you come on back up? As we end uh, our 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 time together, we're going to move into communion here in just a moment. But as we end, I want to invite you to respond to God this morning. I would invite you to bow your head and, and close your eyes for a moment and. Uh, and just open your heart to the Lord. Open your mind to God and let God speak and move uh, amongst us. We wanna see a powerful move of God's spirit in our lives, in our church, and in our community. It starts with us opening up to God and coming to him honestly in repentance and confession, in worship and praise, uh, and with a focus on who he is as we read in the scriptures. One commentator I read this week said that the Psalms are like looking into a mirror. When we look into a mirror that we can see how things are on the outside but the psalms are like a mirror for the soul where we can see how things are going on in the inside and so i want to invite you this morning to a real honest look in front of the mirror of the psalm and ask god to show you clearly how it is with your soul ask god to show you clearly how deeply you long for him what is it that satisfies you? <laughs> is it only God or is it other things? And then to do that work with God if needed. And the last thing I'll say this is that the Psalms do more than just help articulate our need, they also minister to us as well. It's one of the beauties of this particular Psalm. As you spend the next few moments in prayer and uh, just thinking through what the Lord is doing in your heart and mind, uh, just let the words of the Psalm kind of be your guide in prayer, and uh, recognize the blessing of God, His promises, and His presence. It's exactly what we need this morning. Amen. Amen.